0: Greetings and salutations, you're listening to This Ends at Prom, a podcast where I, teen movie apologist BJ Colangelo, show my wife... Harmony
1: Colangelo, a seminal teen girl movie that I missed out on because I grew up as a
0: teen boy. Is today's movie truly emblematic of womanhood?
1: Or of rose-colored nostalgia glasses or your perspective?
0: Circle yes, no, or maybe to find out if we're crowning a queen?
1: Or if we're killing the teen dream. Welcome to
0: this ends at prom this ends at prom is a pod people production i don't wanna be your merch girl i wanna be your
2: goddamn idol and i don't wanna have to work twice as hard for the same motherfucking title but i
0: prom party hello oh that was a cute little accent
1: Uh, yeah i'm I'm great (laughs) i'm I'm sure british people love it when americans do british accents
0: there's a lot of british people on tiktok who get in these debates about it because half of them are like we love it because you all sound terrible and it's fun (laughs) to poke fun at you and the other half is like it's terrible and i'm offended so as with all things it's a matter of perspective it depends on the person i mean one
1: of my favorite Celebrity impersonation moments ever is Michael Caine impersonating people, impersonating Michael Caine.
0: Yeah, that's also really great because
1: he did in an interview, he was like, You all make me sound like hello, I'm Michael Caine, (laughs) and they make him sound so stupid.
0: Yeah, people's Michael Caine impressions, I feel like that's the British version of when people are like, I do a really good Shatner, I do a really good walk-in, and it's like, I bet you don't. Yeah. I bet you are doing an idea of what you think that uh, impression's supposed to sound and like.
1: every Arnold impersonation has to have a, in it. Yeah,
0: for real. Yeah. It's like, he hasn't done that in like 40 years. Leave him alone. <laughs> He's old now. He's just living his life.
1: He's very soft-spoken in the newest <laughs> Terminator.
0: <laughs> but today, uh, why we've got this, you know, little British accent thing going on is because we're covering our first coming-of-age movie that's not American.
1: Um, aside from Kiki's Delivery Service. Yes.
0: Okay. True, true. Yeah. Um, this is kind of exciting, and this is a movie that I loved watching when I was younger, Um a movie that Harmony didn't know existed. Nope. But we're not alone here today, friends. We have a guest. We have an incredible creative artist, as well as the host of the Bloody Blunts Cinema Club. We have Devon Taylor with us. Hi.
1: Hello, friends. Thank you for having me. Hello. It's good good that you're able to be on our show, because we were on yours probably about a year ago now, around this time, I think.
3: Yeah, it was like, it's almost exactly a year ago, because you guys were the first guests that I ever had on my podcast. So.
0: Aww. Yeah. I'd so. forgotten that. That's great. And we talked <laughs> about Bride of Chucky and Seed of Chucky, so listeners, if you're like, hey, I really want them to dive more into that horror side, you got to go over to the Bloody Blunt Cinema Club and listen to us wax poetically about Don Mancini and all things queer scary dolls.
3: <laughs> but- yes, I- all about the creepy, but um, I'm excited to exchange that in for uh, conversations about bazumas and snogging. Today. <laughs> oh, yes.
0: <laughs> so, Devon, you actually picked this movie, which is really exciting because this was kind of a left field choice for me. I was like, most people haven't seen this movie that are American. So, what movie are we talking about today?
3: So, we are talking Angus Thongs and Perfect Snogging. Uh yeah, very random choice. I remember yeah, I gave you like a list of like potential ones and then this was like the 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 very random one because I mean, you know, it is always fun to talk the classics obviously, but it's like this one is just like so very random and specific. And I just have such distinct memories of watching it. But then also it's just, it's actually like really well made for being a Nickelodeon produced film. And it's like just a really good coming of age film. Like I had, I, was laughing my ass off rewatching it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I was really excited because you're totally right. It's really fun to talk about the classics, but this is one of those movies where I couldn't think of somebody who is going to be really hardcore about wanting to talk about this. (laughs) So I was like, Oh, we have somebody who wants to talk about this movie. Uh, Yeah, that's what we're doing. So very glad that this movie had an impact for you. So I'll share my story with this, with this movie first. Um, I was uh, during the early years of the internet. I was a frequent visitor of the website girl.com, spelled G U R L, (laughs) Um, which, in all honesty, was kind of like my gateway into a lot of feminist theory. Um, It was a very SJW website before SJW was kind of like a buzzword. And it's also a website that taught me HTML coding and in the days of MySpace, that was super important to me, obviously. <laughs> I needed to know how to make my, my profile look as cool as possible. Um, but girl.com was this website that you could go for everything between like astrology predictions, fashion advice, uh, sex education, um, what's going on politically. It was kind of a catch-all website, and I'm very sad that it doesn't really exist anymore. Like it's there, but it's like a shell of what it used to be. Um, because just there's so many websites that are doing it you know better and more in depth than they could keep up with anymore. But it was like a like a teen magazine, but as a website. And for whatever reason, um, the book series that this movie is based on paid a lot of money in advertising on girl.com because like every other page hmm. was an ad to buy Angus thongs and full frontal snogging, which is the original title of the book, which, they change it in America because "full frontal" means something different here than it does in the UK. Um, so they changed it, you know, to "perfect snogging" for for the US. But I was like, "What is this book?" And especially with a title like that, right? Like, what do these words
1: mean together the, as an American? The entire
0: series of like the Confessions of Georgia uh, Georgia Nicholson books—they all have these like pop punk, fall up boy style titles where they're just way too long for no reason. Mm-hmm.
3: <laughs> we had some obsession with like having lists as titles like yeah. around this era.
0: Yeah, <laughs> and the second the second book which is also partially an inspiration for this movie in America was on the bright side I'm now the girlfriend of a sex god, I think was the title. And in the UK, it was something about like having really big underwear. Um, of course, because it's the UK, it's it's knickers. But uh, they changed the title in, in America, probably because people in America were like, I have no idea what that word means. So they just changed it completely. Um, but I tracked down the books and I read them and I was like, these are very sweet. These are very cute coming of age stories about like a very average girl she didn't have anything super special going on about her, and that was kind of a, a change compared to a lot of the, the teen stuff we were getting at the time about, like, you know, Camp Rock with rock stars and stuff, like, Georgia's just a girl. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was really refreshing. So that's that's where I came into with, uh, with this movie. Devon, what is your background with this?
3: Yeah, so uh, this movie, I remember it came out uh, when I was... I, I believe I was 14 or uh, yeah, I believe I was 14 when this came out and um, I have three younger sisters. So mm-hmm. uh, growing up, you know, was definitely watching a lot of things that were targeted to female audiences, which was in, I mean, like I, I'm pretty sure I've seen every episode of ham Montana. I mean, we, <laughs> were, we, we, uh, I mean, I wouldn't say this was like female targeted, but I mean, this was uh, at the time that we were all obsessed with Degrassi, and this kind of has like a little bit of that vibe as well. Oh yeah. And um I and Zoe 101 like absolutely loved it. And I mean, I watched so many, you know, female coming of age movies just because like it was always, you know, we had to there there were four of us so we always had to like take turns bartering at the video store or renting something on demand on cable or wh- whatever. Ooh, remember <laughs> that? Uh. <laughs> But um, so, so, you know, I, I watched a lot of those things and then it was like, you know, kind of interesting because I would watch these things and I would, you know, find myself enjoying them. And, you know, my, my friends would give me shit about watching certain things. And it was, it was just like, you know, it kind of taught me at a younger ish age that, you know, like media doesn't exactly have to have a gender to it. Like, it's just like, yeah, this may be tar- targeted to young girls, but it doesn't mean I can't enjoy it as well. You know, so I would find a lot of enjoyment in uh, watching some of these shows and movies. And um, and yeah, so I I, I, this was just one. I remember it premiered on Teen Nick because uh, this was uh, Nickelodeon's first PG-13 produced film. Mm -hmm. Um, Oh, it is racy
1: at moments for a Nickelodeon movie.
3: Yeah, which which I enjoyed. Uh, you know, it was a it was a nice switch up from, you know, the uh, you know, we watched all the Disney Channel original movies, of course, but um all of those, you know, were very GPG most of the time and mm-hmm. it was nice to have this uh switch up that was like actually like teen centric and I just remember we would watch it every time it came on because it they uh, of course after they premiered it it just was on all the time I mean we would watch it because this movie I mean it just rewatching it now like the quotes have been reawoken because <laughs> this movie is just so quotable the things you can say in it and we just like would laugh so much watching this movie.
0: I love that. Yeah, this is this was such an interesting. Adventure, I'm gonna say for Nickelodeon because when I think of Nickelodeon movies, my brain goes to like Snow Day and Harriet the Spy. That's just because you're older. I know, because I'm very old. (laughs) I had orange VHS tapes. Um, but when it comes to this movie, I remember watching this on Teen Nick, and I did have this brief moment where I was like, was it Teen Nick or was it Snick? What were they calling it back then? Because I'm a thousand years old. <laughs> um, but thinking about seeing it on Teen Nick and being like, wow, they're really kind of going for it um, and being very impressed that Nickelodeon was willing to... To go there, especially compared to something like Disney Channel, which don't get me wrong, I love a decom. Everyone knows I love decoms. But Disney Channel properties tend to have this like weirdly evangelical cloud that hangs above them that kind of dictates a lot of what's going on. Very squeaky clean. Yeah. yeah whereas mm-hmm. like Nickelodeon would have, you know, the shows like Zoe 101. But but then like iCarly was, you know, very kind of envelope pushing for for children's media and that's probably why you know it got greenlit to have the the adult reboot for paramount plus because Mm -hmm. it was a show that wasn't super sugar coated Mm -hmm. um it was it wasn't afraid to go there and angus is is a movie that isn't afraid to go there too and i think that that's great um harmony i already know you you had nothing you knew no. nothing about it
1: <laughs> no especially cuz you were so excited being like oh god i really want to do this one now and i am just sitting there looking at these words going <laughs> okay i think i know what snogging means who is angus why are there thongs i have a lot of questions just from this title
0: <laughs> so devon if you could share with our our listening audience what is angus thongs and perfect snogging about
3: uh angus thongs and perfect snogging uh you know kind of what you what you had mentioned like you know with the book there's not really a hook to it it's just you're following this girl georgia who is you know very charismatic very um animated and She is just being a 14 year old girl. She, her and her friends, they are angsty. They want boyfriends. They are trying to figure out the proper ways of womanhood, whether it be through um, magazines or stalking boys or stalking their rivals as well. Um, And it's just uh, you're following Georgia and uh, her ups and downs as she kind of is navigating um, this task of. Wanting a boyfriend before her 15th birthday and the lengths and schemes she'll go to and uh, lessons that she learns along the way with her friends.
0: Beautiful.
2: Um, did you see my second goal? Right? It was spectacular. I saw you floor Georgia. Why do you care about her all of a sudden? It was a cheap shot. Okay, coach. You can give me a spanking and I'll never do it again. (sighs) Did you see that? Absolutely. How could you not? She moved in for full frontal snogging, but he converted it to lips to cheek, which proves he didn't want to snog her, right? So right. Georgia, <laughs> what are you doing? Um, Ellen lost an earring. She's wearing her earrings. It was
0: another one. Um, So before we really dive into the story, let's kind of set the stage and rewind the clocks back to a beautiful time called 2008. This is the year I graduated high school, Mm -hmm. folks. Uh, Harmony, what was going on culturally in 2008?
1: You know, it's really interesting to look back at the movies that were getting released in 2008 because... This is in a lot of ways a transitional year for like teen cinema because some of the biggest teen movies getting released were targeted towards like younger teens and kids in some cases because there's a lot of like squeaky clean Disney-isms about it. So things like The Third High School Musical and Camp Rock and Picture This and Another Cinderella Story were all getting released and were, you know, different levels of successful But you also had um, even stuff like the Prom Night remake, which got released this year, which was the first ever PG-13 slasher, if I believe correctly.
0: I think it's like studio release slasher, yeah. Yeah,
1: it's like there's an absurd lack of blood in that movie. (laughs)
0: Yes.
1: (laughs) Like comically lacking in blood. And uh, also, Dance of the Dead came out that year, and I know that you're a big fan of that I movie.
0: love Dance of the Dead. Very underrated indie release. Highly recommend it. One of my favorite covers of Shadows of the Night ever recorded is in that movie.
1: Yes. And this was also a huge era where we were trying to sort of make the next Harry Potter boom, where there was a bunch of teen movies being adapted from books so, you had Nickelodeon, who was also putting out the Spiderwick Chronicles this year. You had the Chronicles of Narnia came out this year, the uh, Prince Caspian one. Mm-hmm. Uh, you had Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants 2, uh, Nick and Nora's Infinite Playlist, which is you know a big, a big favorite amongst you and I, I yes. know for sure. Yes, yes it is. And uh, not that this is the same, but let the right one in.
0: <laughs> okay, so I'm glad that you mentioned Let the Right One In, though, because Let the Right One In, in my opinion, is when we started getting. It became possible for international horror films to not just be beloved in America, but also of like a really high caliber. Like, this is a movie that didn't have to be Americanized before people could discover it the way that we did with a lot of the like, Asian horror boom of the 2000s. So I am very glad that you included that. That is also a movie we will cover at some point in time. (laughs) Mm -hmm.
1: But the biggest release, and this kind of tied into, like, the horror and teen movie and book adaptation world, was this was when we were leaving, like, the Disney version of the teen world. Like, Hannah Montana, the movie, came out the next year, and High School Musical was ending, and all that was sort of – we were past that almost – And this was the rise of Twilight. This was also Mm -hmm. the same year that the Marvel Cinematic Universe started with Iron Man and the Dark Knight. And a lot of things were ending and a lot of things were starting. And 2008 is kind of a wild year to look at.
3: It was. It was was a, like, I, I do remember that time being just, like, very interesting as far as, like, a lot of the movies and stuff were going on. And I like that you guys mentioned, like, the international aspect of it because, like, I like that, you know, in this film, you know, that Nickelodeon was willing to, you know, do something that was, you know, taking not only a risk doing their first PG-13 thing, but then also, like, you know, this movie is, like, unapologetically British. And I love oh, that. Yeah. <laughs> like that they didn't, like, par that down. They also had, like, a TV show, like, a few years after this, House of Anubis, mm-hmm. that was, like, a, like, British mystery soap opera so it's like I like that they uh, that Nickelodeon was like willing to take forays into that versus it was like when you kind of looked at some of the Disney Channel originals, especially at that time, like if they were doing something like about another culture or something, like that was always like part of the thing. Like say Wendy Wu Homecoming Warrior, you know, it was like that's like part of the thing. Rather, this movie is like very British, but it's just because it just happens to be British, you mm-hmm. know.
0: Oh, yeah, there were definitely moments where I had to, like, look up British slang because it's been so long since I've actually watched this, and I couldn't remember for the life of me what some stuff meant, and I was just like, uh, what are you saying again? What comparison is this? Oh, that means trash. Got it. Okay, cool.
1: I felt like an old person who doesn't understand, like, hip (laughs) young people slang as I was listening to this and being like, well, based on context clues, I think I know what this means, but I'm not really sure.
0: (laughs) Like the one word that I am always forever hung up on is slag because I love the word slag. I think that it's great. But I've never been able to understand like is slag as intense as like how we say slut here or is it like the step below calling somebody a slut? Like, is it a floozy level? I have no idea. So any of our British listeners, please tell me, like, in the hierarchy of misogynist insults, like, where does slag fall on the intensity scale? Because I don't know. And I, the internet has been no help. Urban Dictionary, I, you're useless. You're not helping I me. Think it's,
3: I think it's bad. Like, they don't say it affectionately, but it's like, it's funny because it's like, that one sounds fun, But it, like, I think that's the bad one. But it's like when you hear every uh, saying, calling each other mingers all the time that sounds bad, but that's, like, supposed to be the fun one. So it's, like, the way their slang works is really funny.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I really really couldn't figure it out because they also do call, like, so they call Slaggy Lindsay Slaggy Lindsay the entire movie. (laughs) Um, But then at one point, they do call her slutty. And I was, like, but wait, now I have no idea where where we fall in, like, the intensity scale for this. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so it's very, very fun. All right, let's, let's dive into this, and let's start off with our protagonist our leading lady. Let's talk about Georgia. Devon, how do you feel about Georgia? I
3: love her. Um I, I, I love I love the performance. Okay, maybe not love her because rewatching it, it was like, yeah, like Georgia is kinda shittier than I remember. Mm-hmm. But that's, like, also the point. Like, I like that we have a very – you know, she again, she's very, like, eccentric and charismatic. And she's kind of the, the ringleader of her friends. But at the same time, she's, like, one of the least confident within the group as well. And then it's, like, she's one of those girls that's, it's like – it's I, – I love examining, like, 14-year-olds because I think they are, like, some of the most complicated – individuals like when you're that age because she she doesn't really have like any terrible reason to be as angsty as she is she has a fun loving family you know they're not poor or anything like they seem to be just kind of regular middle age she has friends it's not like she's like you know getting like overwhelmingly bullied but you know she's still just angsty for the sake of it And, you know, and the movie allows her to be equally flawed as like charismatic. Like one moment, you know, you will be laughing at her and the things she's saying and whatnot. But then also like she makes lots of mistakes throughout the film and she learns her lessons through it. And they um, do it in just a very matter of fact way. And I think it's just brought really well together in the performance uh, by Georgia Groom. The actress, um, she's just like, you know, the movie kind of rests on her shoulders and she really delivers, in my opinion.
1: Yeah, I think she is really likable and a very believable 14-year-old where even the slightest things feel like the end of the world when when you're that age. Uh, like, mm-hmm. oh my god, mom, dad, you're so embarrassing, even though they're not, they're not actually doing anything like that bad. And since this is very uh, slice of life, it's very coming of age, I love that there is certainly this drama from her perspective about things that are fairly mundane and it really gives her a lot more room to grow because she is she's flawed she's she's a believable teenager
0: Georgia
2: what are you doing here you hate vegetables <laughs> mum you're so funny I'm getting apples my favorites apples give you wind um.
0: Yeah, that's very much where I sit with Georgia. I love Georgia's character, Mm -hmm. like warts and all, and the reason I love her so much is because she reminds me of all of my friends when we were about that age. I think a lot of times coming-of-age movies are afraid to let their protagonists make mistakes, or in, Mm -hmm. in the case of this movie, be kind of an asshole sometimes (laughs) because that's the thing. Like 14 year old girls are assholes sometimes and they're mean. (laughs) And a lot of times the things that they do, they're not doing it with like willful hatred. It's just, they're not thinking things through because we don't, think things through when we're that age. Everything is instant gratification. Everything's in the immediacy, and we don't think about the long-term impacts that our actions may have on other people. That's not like a fault of George or the person. That's just how our brains have developed at that age. That's just growing up. Yeah, it's just mm. growing up. So I love that this movie is like, here's your protagonist. She's you know an average girl just like you, and that also means that she says things that are super shitty about other girls that don't really deserve it. Um, she says... Kind of shitty things about her parents who are trying their best, and it makes you stop and think and go, "Hmm, I did that when I was 14." Or, you know, this is this is a very realistic portrayal and not an idealized one. And it, mm-hmm. it it takes some courage to be willing to be like, "Here's here's a character who sometimes is pretty unlikable, but you're gonna like her because it's honest." And I enjoy that a lot about this movie.
3: Yeah, and I think uh, I like how it extends into, like, her relationship, like, within her, like, friend group as well. Like, in another teen movie, you know, it's like you have the the tight-knit group that are just perfect, and they love each other all the time, and then there's, like, a big epic fight that tears it apart but it's like in this it's like throughout the movie it's like they equally show each other like having each other's backs being loving but then they're also you know kind of mean to each other and some of the things that they (laughs) say and the way that they judge each other and like the way that they tell each other's secrets by accident and like you know like just all very little nuanced things and like you know it just like kind of uh, you know piles up rather than it being just like you know oh at the end of the second act there's gonna be a big old fight and then they resolve it it's like the way that they handle is just
1: so much more honest like you said oh definitely and i uh, i do like that this friend group kind of functions like a 14 year old girl version of like a teen sex comedy because th- th- they're very um they're very boy crazy but they don't even know necessarily what that means and they're just kind of trying to find information anywhere, including like magazines that aren't helpful and uh, what is it Mom's m- book of
0: oh yeah, men are from Mars, women are from Venus which like friends don't ever take advice from books like that. they are trash
3: <laughs> I mean and they and they even radiate that like um uh, that like sex teen comedy like group style like one normalize naming your friend groups again. Uh, the Ace Gang here, love that, but then, um, <laughs> but yeah, but they, like, you know, they're, they're, like, you know, they do the things that, you know, we typically always see in, like, you know, the Teenage Boy one movies, where it's, like, you know, they're, they're scheming, and they're, you know, doing these elaborate plans just to try to, you know, get in with the boys, and, uh, the they do lots of stalking with binoculars. I I, would, I do want to stress this though. <laughs> the Ace Gang they are kind of creepy. <laughs> they, they
1: they are peeping tomming on the titular thongs in in this movie. They're just they're staring at Lindsay's ass through the window with like, spy glasses.
0: <laughs> Yeah, we were having this conversation about the idea of this being kind of like a teen sex comedy that isn't actually about sex. And I find Mm -hmm. it fascinating because if you look at the beats of this movie, they really are like a teen sex comedy. But the difference is that in, you know, boy teen movies, which tend to be the teen sex comedies, it's all about like getting laid. And we culturally have normalized the idea that like boys turn 14 and then they just have to jerk off all the time. Like, that's a very commonly accepted idea of adolescence and then we don't talk about the fact that like you know people who are assigned female at birth are also having those same urges and that same influx of hormones But we've like demonized the idea of sex and masturbation, so then that like energy gets turned into like boy craziness and having crushes and Mm -hmm. wanting relationships, and that's really really interesting to me because yeah, like the spying thing, which is I would say arguably the most problematic part of this movie. (laughs) Like, there's definitely some other stuff that I feel a little cringy about, but the 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 spying is definitely a bad thing. (laughs) Because you're totally right. If the roles had been reversed and this was a movie about four boys that were like peeping on a bunch of girls they have crushes on, (laughs) even if it wasn't about sex, even if it was just like, oh, I think she's so dreamy. They're
1: doing recon, though. Yeah. We would all be like,
0: we're calling the police. Like, why are you doing this? But in this movie, it's like, oh, it's cute and fun. And it's like, no, there's a little creepy here.
3: (laughs) Yeah, And and I think they made it a cool way of like, you know, kind of getting the best of both worlds with it being like just in this pursuit of, you know, kissing. It's about, you know, the the stages of kissing and the the way that they do it is still very realistic. I mean, because like, you know, when I was in middle school, it was still about like, you know, like kissing and making out. It wasn't about sex quite yet, you know, at least not for me. It was, mm-hmm. like, it was still about, like, oh, what's the, like, most crazy place you can make out or, like, you know, like, <laughs> stuff like that. So it was, like, I like that, that, you know, again, like, they're able to take the elements of, like, the the sex teen comedy, but, like you said, like, taking out the sex and just making it a little more innocent with kissing, but which is still as vital in, like, you know, coming of age as sex is, or even more so.
0: Yeah, I do really like that. I think that it's, it's very charming and... I love how ridiculous their ten stages of snogging rules are, because some of them sound like those really bad sex tips that you get from Cosmo magazine. Where one of very specific, like one of them is like you kiss for three minutes without coming up for a breath, and I'm like, you're gonna suffocate. That's Uh a terrible idea. Speaking
1: of, let the right one in.
0: (laughs) Yeah, for sure.
2: We cut out all the letters about kissing from the problem pages of every girl's magazine. So it starts with level one holding hands. Two arms around waist. Three goodnight kiss. Four kiss fasting over three minutes without breath. <laughs> Five open mouth kissing. Number six tongues. <laughs> <laughs> Seven upper body fondling. Outdoors. Eight. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. I've got all jelloids. Who are those fitties? They're well beyond a fit, they're lust. (sighs) Four. They are sex gods
0: but they get so excited when they're talking about it which to me like that is the pure innocence of like having affection or having a crush when you're you know an eighth grader or a freshman in high school or just just starting out on this journey of you know getting romantically involved is you come up with these like ridiculous dream sequences like your entire life is like you're playing that game mash and Not all of it is within the realm of possibility, but it doesn't matter. It's the excitement of the idea of doing it.
1: Yeah, I think that there was a there was a girl that I was seeing when I was, like, 14 or 15 years old. And we definitely one time were just in, in my basement on, like, New Year's. And I think we just made out for, like, four hours. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's it. We never went further. Maybe she wanted me to at some point. Like, she never, like, she could have taken her shirt off. Like, I was just content making out for a long time because you are content to just make out when you're young. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, over, over the clothes dry humps.
3: Like in middle school, like that was that was it. Uh, I remember in middle school, like when I was fourteen, my thing was uh, I did have a girlfriend and uh, we would decide on class periods that we were going to. Get hall passes to the library, and then we would get out of class and pe- and then we'd go make out in the library. So that people <laughs> and people like knew too. When I'd be like, "Hey, I gotta go to the library," people be like, "Ah, oh, shit, we know what he's gonna do." <laughs>
0: <laughs> I always have such like a weird. I don't want to say like guilt or shame. That's definitely not the word for it. But I lost my virginity when I was fourteen. I was a very early bloomer. And it's always really interesting to me because, you know, I'll talk with some of my friends and they're like, yeah, that was the end all be all. Whereas I went through my junior high experience, like really not kissing anybody. No one ever wanted to slow dance with me. Like I was very much on my own and it was kind of traumatic. And I think my response to that was the second I became a freshman in high school and I was like, wait, wait. I'm curvy with big boobs, and people find this attractive. Time to get fucked and make up for lost time. Like, I'm pretty (laughs) sure that's where my brain was at at the time. So, you know, my friends will have these like beautiful, wholesome stories of I made out with this person, and I'm just like, I was doing horrible shit beneath the bleachers (laughs) as a freshman because I was a monster, a hormonal monster. And in like a weird way, this movie. Like, makes me feel really happy. And I'm like, oh, this is so wholesome because compared to like my debaucherous past, I'm like, oh, this is so lovely. I feel great. (laughs) They just want to kiss each other. That's so sweet.
3: I like how they made it like a de- that they chose 14 specifically for this and like 14 going on 15. I feel like that is like when it is like such a start change though. Cause yeah, like I mean, as soon as I hit high school, I was trying to talk to all the older chicks because they were the ones that were actually, you know, wanting to have sex and shit. And I was like, all right, things are different now. Like it, <laughs> but it was like, it was like a like such a like snap like decision. But like I was, I, I was kissed crazy like all through like school uh the the kid in here that um gives kiss lessons after school um oh, P- is peter Dyer peter Dyer uh they call him what mr saliva uh, <laughs> yeah. throughout the movie, and um that, that he's slight, i slightly relate to him i I wasn't giving lessons but i was I was kissing in like elementary school, like you know, so that was i guess my my early bloom I was an early bloom kisser. <laughs> um uh and so it was like uh, on the playground you know like uh how the the playground things had like the little castle things it was like oh yeah like you i'd meet girls up there and then like the girls are like wanting to kiss it was like oh shit <laughs> like so like that was that was my thing I, w- I wouldn't consider myself giving lessons but i was just i was just there
1: <laughs> <laughs> i was definitely a a very late bloomer in every sort of Making out and physical aspect, but I'll tell you what, when I hit like 15, 16 years old, I was a more graphic version of uh, of Peter Dyer. I was uh, definitely I I had, a, I had a lot of friends who were girls and they had a lot of shitty boyfriends who would dump them and be like I just need to find a real man who's nice to me and I was like I'll go down on you <laughs> forever and uh, yeah I, I, I'm a people pleaser I never asked for anything in return I just wanted them to feel nice uh, I, I realize now that it's because I'm a horrible bottom but you know <laughs> or a chronic bottom I wouldn't even say I'm a horrible bottom I'm a great bottom but but like I really to that really hard where I was like, hey, you just want to come over and I got got 30 minutes before my parents get home.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we were having that conversation. It was just cracking me up because I think that like all of our schools, like we all had that kid. Like whether it was Mm -hmm. kissing or, you know, whatever, there was always that kid that was like, I'm just, I'm just here to make you feel good and like it's fun (laughs) for me too. Like this is great and I love that they... (laughs) I love that they show that, like, awful, gross, just string of saliva after Georgia kisses him (laughs) for the first time. Mm -hmm. Because all I can think about is in Not Another Teen Movie when they're making fun of the kiss between Sarah Michelle Gellar and Selma Blair in Cruel Intentions, Uh and they just make it so sloppy and Uh, gross. That's exactly (laughs) what I thought of. (laughs) Um, But also, like, speaking of Peter, Peter Dyer, though, like, also kind of fuck him because you know he clearly develops this this unrecruited crush on Georgia and then they're at a party and he like attacks her in a bush. (laughs) Like Mm -hmm. I understand that he's also just kissing her, but still like she said no, dude, and you pushed her into a bush and then like unintentionally kept going. Like Yeah.
3: Yeah. He like flashed her and like they're in the bush and he's like still go like that's you know, even way more egregious than the spying for sure. Like this that's the
1: scene now I'm like, ooh, Peter. Yeah, come on. I I feel a little bit bad for him that he gets his heart broken, but also, um, buddy, you have never been told no before clearly, because you're the kissing teacher and uh, this is a lesson that you really need to be learning.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And because of that whole situation, I have, like, weird feelings about the end of the movie when – uh, Georgia's introducing her friends to the boys <laughs> whose hearts she's broken. I'm like, no, 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 you already know that he has issues with consent. You should be telling your friends, stay the fuck away from that guy. But instead, you're like, I feel bad for breaking your heart. Here's my friend. And it's like,
3: all right, uh, no, and like, and how'd she decide? <laughs> she like gave one friend the good guy, uh, the, the Dan guy. She gives – and then gives, yeah, her other friend – oh, you can have Peter. Here you go. Right.
0: (laughs) And, like, I know that that's supposed to be, like, a yay, everyone has somebody ending. But, like, it's more complicated than that. But also, you know, 14-year-old in 2008, these are not conversations that we were having at that time. So, like – No, you just want to have a boyfriend. (laughs) She's got good intentions. Her heart's in the right place. But also, like – girl come on Mm -hmm. (laughs) appreciate your friends more than giving them your leftovers
1: i mean this this group of girls would probably kick peter's ass if he decided to get out of line
0: that's also very they seem like they they
1: will absolutely pounce (laughs) to defend their friends
0: yeah jazz jazz is that girl at the club who will like walk up and just like smack someone across the face she has no chill and i love her
1: or she'll just pull your fake titties out yeah
0: <laughs> all right. I have mixed feelings about this, okay. I'm gonna talk about slaggy Lindsay, who is I guess our antagonist, like I don't know what else to call her. Lindsay's only crime is that she's hot, like she's not actively being an awful person until the end. Like she does some petty shitty sh- shitty moves of like, oh, I'm gonna put my party on the same day as yours.' But, like, from Jump Street, they're like, Slaggy Lindsay has huge boobs and is boy crazy and she fucking sucks. And then they just <laughs> body shame her for the whole fucking movie.
3: <laughs> okay, I, I will say she doesn't deserve the body shaming. Because, yeah, they, they say she has a massive butt. Because her boobs are fake. and But they go, she has a massive butt. And I go, why y'all say that like it's a bad thing? But, I mean, Lindsay <laughs> just talks a lot of shit throughout the movie. Like, that's basically her thing. I mean, she does talk some shit and like throw Georgia down in the field hockey but the the body shaming yeah was a uh, very extra.
0: Yeah, I'm not a, I'm not a big fan of like public displays of humiliation like that. To be fair, like she needs to know her audience. Like don't show up at Georgia's party and be like it's me or her. Like you're going to lose this argument, girl. Uh-huh. Like read the room. Um but yeah, like she's it's just like very petty like high school girl conversations like there's no active like malice going on but like right off the bat i was like wow you really just love shitting on what this girl looks like and it's also done in this way that i i don't think we talk about enough when it comes to coming-of-age stories is that a big reason that they hate her so much is because they recognize that Lindsay does fall into the typical standards of of beauty like she she does and they frequently compare themselves to her where mm-hmm. they're talking about like oh my god this guy is never going to be interested in me because I don't look like Lindsay and they're like yeah well you're funnier than her but she has a better nose than you yeah well she has a big ass yeah but y- you know you're nicer and there's this very weird you know, comparison infighting that happens when we're in adolescence because literally everything in the media is telling us that we're supposed to do this.
2: Oh, you sure. look so sweet. It's I got mostly eights for everything. So did I. <laughs> hey, who gave me a four for my nose? And look, someone else gave my mouth a six and one third. What's wrong with my mouth?
1: And yeah. I also think that's uh, a big element of this that we haven't really gotten to address just yet is that they also uh, are really mean to Lindsay because she's fake and she's inauthentic. Like, Oh, well she, she's just trying to impress boys and she has like the chicken cutlets in there because her boobs aren't that big. And there's this like strive for authenticity that they also are not self aware enough to realize that like Georgia, you're being just as fake, if not more so than Lindsay. And I think that, like, I, I don't know if kids today still do this, but when I was in school, like, calling someone fake was just, like, one of the biggest insults you could throw. Someone's <laughs> like, oh, they're just fake.
0: Oh, they're a poser. opposers. Opposer. Like awesome. Fake friends.
1: <laughs> yeah. I, you know,
3: in it would have been fine if, like, at the end, you know, Georgia gets her happy and she gets the party and stuff. But then that's when it's, like, it, it is, like insult to injury on top of it that they still like had to humiliate Lindsay at the end of the movie on top of it because like yeah like georgia that was like the whole thing like she was like learning is like yeah she was being just as fake with all of her schemes and lies and plans and trying to manipulate people Mm -hmm. even when she gets what she wants you know she gets what she wants like halfway through the movie and then loses it and then you know but then has her like happy ending but then it's like okay she gets her happy ending but then like by the end of the movie, yeah, Lindsay's, like, had plenty enough. She's already lost Robbie, and then on top of it, then they're, like, you know, like, just the messaging of, like, yeah, like, that they still are going to be, like, no, we got to have this group shot of humiliating Lindsay in front of everybody in front of the party at the end was, like, a little little extra on top of Lindsay, which kind of sucked.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, we do get that really nice moment of growth with Georgia where she's trying to have this like private conversation with her, where she's like, Hey, like, I'm sorry that this happened, but also let's be adults, let's be mature about this. And like, you could have just let her take the L. But again, Jazz gives no fucks. And she was like, You embarrassed (laughs) my friend. I have to, I have to write this wrong. And now I got to humiliate you. And it's like, Oh, Jazz. Just let her, just let her walk away with her tail between her legs. Like, you don't need to do this.
1: Jazz rolls in like an Italian mobster being like, why did you have to disrespect my friend at her own birthday? I have to <laughs> teach you a lesson. She broke
3: her
0: kneecaps, essentially. Yes. She really <laughs> did. Uh. But you did mention the magic word of Robbie.
1: Mm-hmm. Let's talk about
0: this love interest. First off, like Aaron Johnson has been so adorable his entire career like how dare he be mm-hmm. this charming and cute
1: also i did not know he was british because i know him best as as kick-ass mm-hmm. so i didn't realize like oh oh fuck he's he's very <laughs> british
0: <laughs> <laughs> so devon what do you make of our, our dreamboat justin bieber haired robbie <laughs> oh man i've
3: i i loved i love robbie um aaron formerly taylor johnson um like I remember he was like one of the high points of the movie though for me as well like back in the day just because like he does have just like this overwhelming amount of charm in the movie Mm -hmm. and I like that we have a character of a boy that's just a sweet boy like yeah he you know does get caught in between the middle of the two girls and for the most part, he does his best to navigate the situation in a, you know, decent manner besides when he kisses George and he's technically with Lindsay. Mm-hmm. But besides that, I like that it wasn't like there wasn't any, um, there wasn't like any like, you know, twist to it or there wasn't any, um the 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 big misunderstanding between the two characters, like between Georgia and Robbie, like wasn't because like Robbie did something like super dickish or something. It was like they let him just be like a a, a good guy, uh, for the most part, as far as like, you know, fourteen year old teenage boys go. But he yeah, but I remember his performance. He just had so much charisma. Uh absolutely loved it. He uh super adorable. He was like the original logan lerman oh god even yeah. though even though they're not that far in age but very very similar and i love them both i kind
1: of have a type <laughs>
0: <laughs> harmony how about you what do you feel about about robbie
1: i think that he is a good boy which like <laughs> i i realized this the other day where it's like i will be watching like teen movies and i will refer to like young men as good boys and I'm like that's probably patronizing but also I'm calling them the same thing I call dogs which is the biggest compliment because dogs are the best so you know whatever (laughs) but I think he is he's very lovable Uh, I also love that he's not perfect because like no teen is perfect he's not like this absolute flawless dreamboat that Georgia thought he was like he makes mistakes everyone in this movie makes mistakes but for the most part he's like his heart's in the right place and I really like that about him
0: yeah, I I love Robbie, and I have, like, a weird soft spot for Robbie because he is definitely the type of boy that would ask me to go on dates when I was in high school, and I would always say no because I was like, oh, I'll ruin you. Like, you're too <laughs> kind and soft and nice and sweet and creative, And, oh, you're going to write an album about me by the time we're done, and we can't do that. So when they have that moment where he's like, I wrote a song about you. It's called, like, That Bitch in a Uniform or whatever. (laughs) I was like, oh, I relate to this a little too much. I really
1: liked it when we were at that concert, and you leaned over to me on the couch, and you point at Robbie and go... That is what every boy who had a crush on me in high school looked like. That's what he wore. And that's what his hair did. <laughs> yep.
0: They all had that same hair. They all had like a graphic shirt on with a vest that just tells you. That- <laughs> I get to go to coffee shop sometime after curfew because I'm in a band.
1: That outfit is, I play indie pop music in 2008. Can you tell? <laughs> that
3: it, He has a pretty primo 2008 swish. Uh, the, the, the 2008 swoosh, like he, he's got a solid eight out of 10 on the haircut for, for the 2008 era. And, and I also love that. Like you said, like, he's like not perfect. He's not like the, the biggest dream boat. I mean, he's super cute and adorable, but I love that. He's also like, he's in a band, but he's the bass player. He's not like the like lead singer, front man, guitar guy either. You know, like. That's like mm-hmm. in the spotlight. He's, you know, he's just a, a regular guy in a band. He helps run his, his mom's fruit and vegetable shop with his brother. <laughs> I mean, like wholesome.
0: And he likes cats. Like, you know, he's, he's a sweet boy. There was a moment, though, during that concert that <laughs> Harmony made a comment that about killed me. Because he announces before the party, like, I wrote this song for Georgia, and then takes a step back, and the other guy sings. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so Harri just looks at me, and she's like, hey, I wrote this song for you. I ain't going to sing it, though. And I like lost my mind, because <laughs> it's really funny, because the Stiff Dylans are an actual band. And just for this movie, they're like, well, Aaron Johnson, uh, play bass, and... Try to look like you fit in with this band. And there are some moments where it's like, yeah, I believe this. He looks like a guy who's in this band. But then there are some moments where it's like, oh, no, no, no. they are a well-oiled machine and you are here.
1: <laughs> I, I, I really love it. And honestly, I looked him up. The Stiff Dylans are on Spotify. They have two songs, one of which is the, uh, the song that they perform for Georgia in this movie. <laughs>
0: But speaking of though, the soundtrack to this movie fucking slaps. Yeah.
3: Oh yeah. So good. We got Lily Allen. We got Lenka. The Ting Tings. Kate Walsh. Like they
1: got a great soundtrack here. Who's the one band you love that's on the soundtrack? So
0: the Pipettes are on this, and the Pipettes were one of my favorite bands. Uh, at, like towards the end of high school and then into college, and I could not for the life of me remember how did I learn about the Pipettes. And that's the song that's playing uh, Pull Shapes at the start of George's birthday party, the one where she looks on the dance floor and it's Mm. like, oh, your dad's back from New Zealand and look at him out there cutting a rug. Mm -hmm. Um, And the Pibets are like a three-piece girl group and they do like really fun and edgy songs, but in like kind of a doo-wop style. And it was unlike anything I'd ever heard. And it was this movie like unlocked that core memory of, ah, this band that I love, I got it from this movie. (laughs) (laughs)
1: But I really do love this soundtrack, though, uh, especially because I really like this era of of indie pop music that we had in, like, the 2000s where it was fun, but also, like, lightly danceable, but, like, fairly mid-tempo, but, like, really good hooks. It it was kind of very – it was born out of Britpop in a lot of ways. Like, Mm -hmm. hey, let's just have the entire soundtrack sound like Supergrass is all right, and I love that. I think it sounds great. (laughs) Yeah, it was a a really great era for – for uh, the
3: indie indie punk scene, I mean the mm-hmm. Steph Dillons the, the the song at the end, Ultraviolet. I mean, I'll admit it slaps. I, I'm probably mm-hmm. gonna put it on a playlist. It's 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 pretty good as far <laughs> as uh, when that era. It gives me uh gives me like We the Kings vibes. That's what this whole like soundtrack sounds like. That mid tempo, slightly
1: danceable. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's a think the slightly danceable like indie rock is is a great way to describe it. Let's
1: just mash up like the Strokes and MGMT.
0: Yeah. Look at you. With a little <laughs> never shout
3: never on top. Oh, definitely. Oh yeah, for sure.
0: <laughs> um so because this is a movie that's been around uh, long enough to have at least a 10-year anniversary, I went looking for some retrospective articles, which is like my favorite thing to do for some of these movies. And I specifically wanted to find one from a UK publication because this movie was released in theaters in the UK and it is a sleepover staple over there. So I found an article by somebody named Maddie Musson and it's on the tab, which is like a UK pop culture site. And it's titled, I'm sorry to tell you this, but Angus, Thongs, and Perfect Snogging is completely messed up. Why did we think this was normal? <laughs> and it's, it covers a lot of the talking points that we made, but I wanted to quote a couple of these because just the writing is fantastic. So the first reason that she says that the movie's messed up is, first off, George is a bit of a dick, <laughs> which I love that. And then she goes, okay, I know we were all knobheads when we were 14, but Georgia's actually a pretty shit friend throughout the movie. She spends the whole film trying to get a boyfriend, then hates on Jazz for doing exactly that. She literally kicks Jazz in the shin because she threatens to go to Lindsay's birthday party and not hers. This girl has issues. So I read that and I laughed because I'm like, yeah, she does have some issues. But then I sat there and I was really thinking about it. And I was like, you know what? Though that is the exact type of like uncontrolled emotional response that fourteen year olds have.
2: Uh-huh. Mm-hmm.
0: Like that is the friendship equivalent of one of my favorite characters ever of of Annie in Freaky Friday of Lindsay Lohan screaming, "You're ruining my life!" and slamming the door. Like that is very much the same energy that's here. So while I can agree that yeah, George is being kind of a dick. Um, I'm very refreshed by having a 14 year old <laughs> act like a dick because we are, and I think that's great.
1: That's teendom <laughs> captured in a bottle. <laughs> oh, yeah.
0: Hi, Mrs. Unavailable.
2: What? We all think you've really changed since you've got a man in your life. Oh, come on, G. <gasps> a thong. <sighs> Have you bought your ticket yet? What? To Bulgaria. With your new best mate. Why are you being so stroppy? You'll always be my best mate. Just think of it like me going undercover and spying on it. All right. <laughs> now you're thinking like a best friend. <laughs> I taught you well.
3: <laughs> like, I mean, the 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 friendship itself, it's like, you know, especially at that age, like, yeah, I'm sure a lot of people have friendships that they've had since, that, since around that age. But at the same time, it's like when you have that friendship, it's like, yeah, they're close and care for each other but then also kind of reminds you at that age like your friendships you are still very self-centered at the oh, end definitely. of it you know it's like anytime jazz is like talking about like you know the boyfriend situation uh georgia would just immediately slide it to yeah but then also how can i get robbie and then you know blah 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 and it's like it, it very refreshing
0: Agreed.
1: Yeah, and she has uh, her her idea of growing up is kind of getting a little bit boring. Like she ends up doing like <laughs> stylistic makeovers, but really just being more mature just kind of means not centering yourself and actually considering other people's feelings. And that's that goes into like the climax of the movie, and she does grow by doing that.
0: Yeah, I agree. Uh, some of the other talking points are, um, <laughs> in what world would two fit year 11s date two year 9s? Referring to uh, the the twins being really popular and older and then dating these freshmen. And it's like, okay, yeah, I get that. It, it makes sense. I understand what you're saying there. And it's clearly trying to be funny. Um, also agrees that Peter Dyer is a creep, but uh, points out something that Harmony noticed too was... Uh, <laughs> He has a massive picture of Hugh Grant smiling down at you in his bedroom. If that's not a red flag, I don't know what it is.
1: <laughs> like it's a huge poster. It's like it's like full movie
3: poster size. <laughs> I didn't notice that I was too distracted by the timer he has in his room that counts down when his mom's coming home and how long he has to kiss girls. Right, uh, that's what
1: I was distracted by. What, what What do you think his parents think when they walk into their son's room and go, "Son, what is this giant timer for"?
0: <laughs> that's a great question. That's what we need a sequel. I need. I have. I have follow up questions that involve the dire parents. Um they they she also says that the snogging scale is pretty bizarre, which I know we touched on. but it's like, did anyone else watch this film and then feel like you immediately needed to be doing tongues? <laughs> <laughs> which is such a fun way to say that. And I don't know. like do either of you think that you were influenced? by I mean we all know we've been influenced by movies but do you think that you ever had a moment where you saw a movie and you're like wow I'm way behind I need to catch up or anything of that sort
1: No um, I accepted that I was a scrub who was behind
3: <laughs> <laughs> Yeah I mean I guess for me it was just yeah it's like I don't know for for where I was in my and like my area and my school like, I think I was just, like, kind of right on track because I, like, got off to an early start and then I guess I slowed up a little bit. and But, like, I was, again, like, I was just, like, I was content with just, like, kissing and fingering. Like, that was, like, super chill with me, you know? So, it was, like, I felt like I was just kind of, I don't know, maybe on on pace, I suppose. Um mm-hmm. But then, I mean, just considering this came out and, like, was portraying 14-year-olds when I was 14, it was, like, pretty close to where I was. Um, but yeah no I've definitely um, seen other movies where it's like yeah like I'm like oh like was I was I like I lost my virginia at 16 and I'm like I'm like that's a reasonable age I guess I'm like I don't know if that's early young I just always felt like it was kind of in the middle um, so like yeah whenever I see stuff and I'm like oh when people are losing their virginia at 14 15 in movies I'm like was I behind but then I don't know
0: then at the same time though like as the last year and a half has taught us anything like time is meaningless timelines are ridiculous <laughs> like you do things when you're ready for them and sometimes you do things when you weren't ready for them mm-hmm. and there is no like structured time so even like i mean i always talk about how i had an early start or people will say like oh, i was a late bloomer and even then like that's it's all relative so like mm-hmm. you know no one should ever feel bad where they are i was just curious more so like You know, how did these movies actually speak to us? And I mean, like I said earlier, because I watch movies like this and I'm like, oh, this is so wholesome, (laughs) way sweeter compared to what I was doing at that age.
1: Well, I'm also thinking about this now. And I think in the way of a lot of teen boy movies, they by the time I reached like my teen years, they had graduated out of being high school films and they were a lot of like college films by that point. So then I wasn't really relating to myself to like 19 year olds who were actually like 30 you know? <laughs> so I, I think that's kind of where I was at. And honestly, even thinking about how this movie relates to like a, a more broader subject, a movie that I didn't bring up because I figured I would find an opportunity to squeeze it in at some point. The closest contemporary this movie has from its release here is probably something like The House Bunny, because it's one of the only teen movies around this era that is actually discussing sex. And even then it's a college age mm-hmm. film.
0: And it's not mm-hmm. just that it's discussing sex, it's also discussing like body image and Slut self-esteem shaming and, and slut-shaming and, yeah. and all of these topics that we do see. In Angus, and, you know, it's it's very telling to me that we see it in this movie, and then we don't see it in anything else around that year except for the one that has a literal Playboy Bunny as a character in it. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, you know, just really, I think, telling of how little we actually discuss, like, girl sexuality. It's, like, we pretend it doesn't exist. Well, isn't there
1: something about... Um... I think there was like some big controversy like six years ago or whatever when Broad City was on, where because they kept showing um, oral sex being done to women, and that was like a huge like controversy. Mm-hmm. And they're like, "You can't do that," and they're like, "Fuck you, we're gonna do it."
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's very strange the restrictions that we have about like how pleasure is allowed to be shown and like who is allowed to be shown having pleasure. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the, our censorship laws here are stupid. Well, censorship laws anywhere are stupid, <laughs> but neither here nor mm-hmm. there. Um, but going back to this article, uh, Devon, I hope you will feel vindicated that in all caps, it just says, boy, stalking time is illegal, guys. <laughs> <laughs> and that does bring me to a point that we haven't really discussed. Like, we we, we touched on it, but I haven't fully discussed. Their obsession with hating on thongs is out of control. They, like, hate thongs in this movie so much. And, like... I've worn them. They're not the most comfortable thing in the world. You
1: get
3: used to them. I, I feel like they're just aggressively confused by thongs because they just don't really get what the function is. They're like, they're like oh, you just wear them because they go up your butt and then guys like it. It's like, no, it's a, it's a functional thing. So you don't
1: have lines in your pants and things mm-hmm. of that nature. It's like, I just don't think they understand thongs. <laughs> I think there's also like a status thing to wearing thongs or to girls who are wearing thongs where it's like, oh. She's showing off her butt. She wears tighter fitting clothes. She is a harlot.
0: Oh, yeah, because 2008 is, you know, when we've got low rise jeans. So the whale tail thong (laughs) was a whole ass look, like literal whole ass look.
1: You're supposed to be seeing underwear then. Right.
0: Um, Like this article says, uh, you know, she's there shitting on Lindsay because she's a teenage girl who wears thongs and then jazz starts wearing a thong and they tell her that she's changed because apparently (laughs) if you wear a thong in this film, it's the equivalent of being an agent of Satan, (laughs) which which I love, but I could not help but think about, um, I don't know if you've watched the series pen 15 at all, but there is, there is an episode where they're doing like a fashion show and they find out that one of their friends has a thong and they steal it, <laughs>
1: and they just they just swap, keep trading off. They keep this trading girl's off, underwear. wearing
0: this underwear, <laughs> but like the second that they put the thong on, it's like this very fantastical, uh, you know montage but they feel more confident they feel more adults they have like their entire attitude changes because they're like this is sexy adult underwear that i'm wearing so then they don't act as much like kids and i think that's a big part of you know this conversation going on here i don't know if the thong talk is really a thing anymore because i think they've just become a very normalized undergarment at this point
3: probably oh yeah And also like they're just they have a lot of conversation about just underwear in general because then they also make fun of Georgia for having too large of knickers for wearing Mm -hmm. too big of underwear. So it's like there's
1: a lot of conflicting ideas about underwear in this movie. (laughs) Georgia was not planning on people seeing her underwear that day in her defense.
0: That's true. And I do wear my like. Granniest of panties when I'm wearing like a dress or something because I don't want chafe lines, so mm-hmm. I got to protect myself. But we are in like almost a decade past the thong song, like, we should have been over thongs by this point, <laughs> and yet we're still just like perplexed by them in this movie, which <laughs> I think is really funny. Um, but the uh, the, the last thing that they, they discuss is um. <laughs> Stop trying to make nunga nungas happen, Dave. It's not going to happen. (laughs) What is it with teen movies being so afraid to call them boobs? Because my brain went to Hocus Pocus with yabos. Oh,
1: yabos, of
3: course. But I love how bazoomas is normal for them. But then she is like perplexed when he calls them nunga nunga. She goes, "Wait, why are you saying that?" <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then when uh, Lindsay gets her her fake titties ripped out, he yells it, and he's the one holding them. He like catches them uh, when Jess throws them, and he catches them and goes nunga nungas again. <laughs>
0: Like nunga nunga. It, like if somebody ever called my boobs that, I think I would like slap them with one. Like
3: I'll keep that in mind. <laughs> his description though is kind is pretty hilarious though.
0: It is pretty good. <laughs> I'll will give him that. He's at least being creative. But I'm glad that you brought up like the celebration of like catching them, <laughs> because like similar but obviously not similar. Uh, where I went to school, we had a lot of fights. Like there were a lot of fights, and there were also a lot of girl fights. To this day, there is a move that happened in my high school cafeteria that I want to put in a movie someday. Where this girl was trying to run from another girl, and she grabbed her by her like very long weave, and then like wrapped it around her wrist, and then pulled her back to left hook her in the face. It was incredible. <laughs> like it was so fluid, and obviously, like I do not condone violence of of teenagers in school, but like legit the most badass fight move I've ever seen in my life. Style points. Style points, yes. Um, But that was like a thing in our high school is if there was a girl fight whoever like got the weave off the ground, it was like a like a battle cry and like you would run through the halls and like wave it in the air. Like it was like this big moment of pride of like, you did it and you got the weave. So like watching- it's like catching
1: a bouquet. Yes,
0: it was like catching a bouquet. So like seeing this scene where he's so fucking hype about getting the chicken cutlets, I'm like, oh yeah, okay, we did do that when we were your age. I can't even be mad at you for this because that was a thing. <laughs> the things we do when we're kids that we're like so problematic, so shitty, like so not acceptable, and yet we did it because we didn't we didn't know any better. Oh yeah,
1: we were we were short sighted.
0: <laughs> That's a great way to put it. We're short sighted. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, this movie this movie is a trip. Um, so that was all I had from that article. I really loved reading it. It was very interesting to read the 10-year anniversary ones because it's it was mostly people that were like, this movie changed my life. It meant a lot to me. Yeah, it's got problems, but it meant a lot to me. And I think ultimately that's what's really important about a movie like this is I I was really sitting here and racking my brain and trying to think of a movie that shows a, a girl quite like Georgia who is just that relatable and is very imperfect and is kind of a mess but her character like 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 the motivation of her character is not that she's a mess it just happens to be part of her personality and i can't think of one mm-hmm.
3: um, Yeah it's it's yeah. very like casual in the way that they in the way that they do it like you said it's like the it's not the it's not the catch of the movie and i like just watching them Watching kind of going through all these various different issues, you know thoughts that they have about bodies and and the way that they approach like you know this like desire for relationships, even though they kind of treat it more like you know property because they're they're wanting to be mature, but they treat relationships as they as children would. So mm-hmm. it's like I I like that aspect because that was like always a big thing in like my school too like people shuffling around boyfriends and girlfriends like it was nothing, you know, like ditching one person for the other person. And it was always about who's with who, you know, who has a person like doesn't even matter who it is half the time. So it
1: was like I like that that was another angle that they chose to explore in this. Oh, yeah. Relationships are, are in a lot of ways like a status symbol because you don't want to be like the loser in your school who's not dating anyone because then it means nobody wants you.
0: Yeah. And then you go to high school and have sex immediately because you feel bad about yourself, not speaking from experience or anything. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, I I really enjoy this movie a lot. I love its honesty. I also love that it also has, like, very sweet things in the side story. Like, we have Jem, the interior decorator, who I think Hilarious. for a lot of people, that might have been one of their first, like, gay characters who is just existing, and the whole point of it is not that he's gay.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Like, it's, I like that his plot point, it's like, it's a somewhat of a plot point, but it's like, a, a positive uh outcoming you know because the whole time it's the red herring of thinking the mom's into him and that they're cheating but it's like he's the gay interior decorator it's like oh and it's like the, the positive spin on it and i like how they made like such a funny joke about it he just goes interior decorator hello <laughs> and uh which was just like one i think that's gotta be the queerest moment on nickelodeon like up to
1: date at that point <laughs> Oh, I'm sure. I, yeah, I yeah. certainly can't think of anything else.
0: Yeah, nothing like that explicitly gay, no. Because he also, like, he has a boyfriend, and he puts his arm around him, and he's like, yeah, my like uh, the mom explains, like, his boyfriend owns the club. So, you know, that that was definitely a big thing, especially for 2008, and kudos to this movie for having it. Um, the only last thing that I, I had to talk about with this is uh, Angus, the most patient cat, I've ever seen in a movie oh
1: that cat actor is the most oh tolerant cat I've ever seen like they're putting spaghetti on this cat's face and he is just <laughs> sitting there and just, just dealing <laughs> oh yeah he is he's the Brad Pitt of of cat
3: actors like the, the right <laughs> amount of chaos but the right amount of patience too
0: Yeah, because he's just he's being carried around all the time. He's got Libby putting like a crown on him, like a wedding dress. Lots of
1: ridiculous costumes. Yeah,
0: we looked up in the credits. There are two cats, so two different Persian cats playing Angus. But I do love that, considering Angus is you know part of the title, that they did get a really really awesome kind of cat performance because. I was just really happy every time he was on screen. I'm not even that big of a cat person, mm-hmm. but every time Angus was on screen, I was like, I love this little guy. Look at him. He's great. <laughs> like such like, an
3: MVP. And they kept him like integral to the movie too. It's not just like his name's in the town. He's, he's pl- like, he gets key scenes. He, uh, air, air, uh, Robbie's shirt at the end, he's wearing an Angus shirt because mm-hmm. one of his qualities
1: is that he just loves cats. Like so, so cute. <laughs>
0: yeah, it's great.
1: I also love that he just looks like a feral mountain cat. <laughs>
0: yeah, he's got grouchy Wil Wilford Brimley face because he's a Persian. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, he's great. Do we have any final capsule thoughts on Angus Thongs and perfect snogging? Uh,
3: I just want to say, like again, I hope I-, I I desperately want people to rewatch this just for. The, the people would love the slang of this movie, and it mm-hmm. should be just like in it. Like I I literally say flip flipper and flipping hell a lot, and nobody knows <laughs> what I'm quoting. Like there's just so many good ones in here that I just like put your tongues away, you slappers. Like calling your parents <laughs> slappers, like that's amazing. Like there's just so many uh great quotables through this movie. Um, so that that's like. I just I love this movie. I thought it's it's just thoroughly entertaining. I like that it's also like, even though it was a Teen Nick movie, it's like it's an actual movie. It's an hour forty minutes. Like they take their time. Mm-hmm. Uh, it like has actual good production value. It's shot well. Has good music. Like it's an actual movie too. Like and uh, yeah, it's just a it's a just fun little gem that uh, I I really appreciate.
0: I think that film twitter should take on the role of bringing beyond the valley of the blank as a <laughs> as part of our vernacular because that is my favorite of all of the slang it's like oh it's so beyond the valley of whatever descriptor you want at that and i'm like oh i am beyond the valley of lame sometimes that's great i love this
1: <laughs> i mean or that's calling
0: probably the
3: hunks. one i'm gonna pick up for sure <laughs> I I like calling hunks fitties too. I'm a big fan of that (laughs) one.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Fitties is is a good one. Well, well, Harmony, we've, we've gotten to that point of the show. Yeah. Angus thongs and perfect snogging is asking you to the prom. Is it a yes, a no, a maybe. And are you writing anything on the card back?
1: This is, this is a big yes. Like this, this was really fun. I would definitely rewatch it, especially because we watched it like on YouTube for free with ads. And like it, it's so accessible, it's just there. You it, like there's no barrier of entry to to revisit this film. And uh, something we didn't get to talk about too much was like also I think her parents are adorable because I'm a sucker for movies with really really sweet parents.
0: They are great. Yeah, I do love them.
1: Yeah, and uh, th- yeah, this is this movie's very legit. I was thoroughly surprised and I don't know why I mm-hmm. was but I was just like I don't know what I'm getting into here and I walked away going wow this this is a very thirsty film and handles it really yeah. well and I'm 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 just very impressed
0: <laughs> that's that's wonderful so that is also a huge thank you to you Devon for for choosing this one and you know bringing it to us and you know having enough of a history to want to talk about it because I really genuinely could not think of anybody else who was going to want this so I was so hype when you wanted it but (laughs) you're great and thank you for being here with us uh where can people find you on the internet if you want them to find you on the internet
3: Oh, of course. Uh, thanks for having me. Yeah, I mean, this is the only podcast I would ever get to talk about this movie. So, uh, <laughs> very glad I could bring some obscurity to the show. Um, well, it definitely, I was blasted with some very fun memories as I was rewatching. So, oh, <laughs> uh, it was super awesome. But you guys can find me on the internet uh, at underscore daddy disco on Twitter and Instagram. Um, I'm a writer for various websites, I do photography and short films and. Uh, I film music videos, and I do a bunch of random stuff, but then if you want to listen to my voice a little more, you can uh, check out the Bloody Blunt Cinema Club. It is a movie where I get super stoned and talk about horror movies and have uh, various guests on, and um, the Chucky episodes are a great place to start um, with BJ and Harmony in there. Uh, And you can find the podcast at Bloody Blunt CC on Twitter and uh, across all podcast platforms. So thanks again for having me, guys.
0: You are just wonderful, and we're, <laughs> we are the ones who are honored to have you, so much appreciated. As always, friends, you can support the podcast on Patreon, patreon.com backslash this ends prom. You can follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at this ends prom. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at BJ Colangelo. Harmony, where are you at?
1: I'm also on Twitter and Instagram at Velocitraptor, Velasa underscore trap, underscore tour.
0: And as always, huge thank you to the Sonderbombs for allowing us to use title for our theme song. Harmony, do you have a cool indie band that you want people to check out this week?
1: I do, and I actually tried to f- pick a band that would fit very nicely with the sound of this movie and fit in like with this soundtrack. So the band I'm recommending is called Buzzard, Buzzard, Buzzard. <laughs> <laughs> and they have a very similar, uh, like, indie rock sound that would fit in quite comfortably on this soundtrack, and they're from the UK, and they just released a uh, a song called Warm It Up that I really like, as well as New Age Millennial Magic. So, uh, yeah, definitely check them out.
0: That's awesome. That... I haven't listened to them yet, so I'm excited to check them out. And friends, if if you have forgotten, we have a playlist that is available on our social media channels that gives you a little taste of all of these bands that Harmony's been recommending the last couple of months, so give you some new kickin' tunes to listen to. Mm-hmm. But that takes us out on this week's movie. We will see you next time, and as always, friends, save that last dance for us. Bye! Bye!
1: Bye.
2: First thing you notice in a girl. It's your
1: this episode was brought to you by Pod People Productions. To find
0: more episodes of this show and others, please visit podpeople.me.